You're listening to the Desperation Podcast. This message comes from our 2014 Desperation Conference, Jesus Reigns. For more information, visit us at desperationonline.com. Chapter 15, if you've got your Bibles, let's jump in, let's pray together, and let's go. Father, we love you so much. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together a generation of young people that want so much to see your face, to be transformed into your presence, to go and be the people that you've called us to be. We ask, Lord God, that you would illuminate your word. We pray that it would come alive in each one of our hearts. We pray that we would be changed and transformed. We pray, Lord, that we would leave different, Lord Jesus. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a picture of my family right here. And uh, I've got uh, my beautiful wife. You met Renata a second ago. And then those are my four kids, Dawson, Olivia, Adeline, and Justice. And uh, one of my favorite things to do, one of my, my, my favorite moments of the day is when I come home, I get home from work. And since they were all even smaller than that, they would run and jump in my arms. I think I've got a picture. Yeah, there it is. And so that's when they were a little bit little, some of them. But they would all run and jump in my arms. And, and so when I come home at the end of the day, one of my favorite things is that they come and they, they jump in my arms and there's excitement and there's enthusiasm. And I, I love just the way that they run to me and jump in my arms. It's so great. It's so fun. In fact, uh, one of the things we love to do when I get home is we go to the park. We got a park right by our house. And so we'll go to the park and just play together, just hang out together, just be together. And so recently uh, we, were, we, we went to the park and we were playing kickball. And, uh, and so all of them were, were, were out first base, second base, third base. And Adeline, who at the time was, you know, I think five, six years old, last year-ish, nine months maybe ago. And uh, we're, 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 at, we're, we're playing kickball and she's, it's her first time to play kickball and she's rounding third base. And you got to understand our house is right by the park. I'm talking like right by the park. And so she comes around third base and I'm so excited. And so I scream at the top of my lungs, run home, Addie, run home. And so she rounds third and she looks up, she hears me say run home. And she took it. And she runs back to our house and, and every part of me just loves Adeline. She's obedient. She's wonderful. And I, I love playing with them. I love hanging out with them. It's, it's so much fun to be with them. But let me tell you this. If, if I had a different demeanor, let's just say that when I came home, I was ticked off, angry and mad. Do you think that they would run to me when I got home? No. No, they would probably stay doing whatever they were doing. They would not run to me. The, the reason why they run to me is because they're used to an embrace. They're used to love. They're used to affection. Many of you guys, you've, you've got a view of God. You've got a picture of God that's a little bit discombobulated. A.W. Tozer says the most thing about you, the most important thing about your relationship with God is how you see God. And even as we gather together, even in this first session, we're beginning to worship and we're beginning to look to God and declare to him who he is. You've got different ideas of what God looks like to you. And maybe because of experiences in the past or what you've heard other people say or upbringing, you've got different views. What what is God like? What does God look like? You've got, if you were to run movies in your mind, you've got a picture of God Sometimes if you've got a picture of God where he's mostly angry, maybe he's absent, maybe he's barely there. Maybe he's annoyed with you. If you've got those pictures where he's angry, he wants to hurt you, or he's mad at you, he's barely there, you can barely find him, you've got to scream louder. 
Maybe he's just off in the distance. If you've got a view of God like that, then you won't run to God. But if you have a view, uh, 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 if you, when you look to him, you see a God that loves you and delights in you, then you'll run after him. And this conference this weekend, as we kind of set the table and begin over these next few days to go after God, I want you to run after God with all that you have. I want you to picture a God that so loves you, that so delights in you, that likes you. Everybody say the word likes, say likes. He loves you like a father. Easy sometimes to hear, you know, to kind of hear somebody else say it. But what matters is not that you know it in your head. It matters that you experience it and that you know it. It doesn't matter if it's information. It's got to be revelation. So often it's just something that we've heard somebody else say. Maybe it's a cute song that we sang as a child. But something changes in your heart when it's not just information, but you have an encounter with God where it's revelation. And our prayer is that over the next few days it becomes revelation. That out of that revelation there's an identity change. A lot of times whenever you kind of think about your future, you go immediately into how will my activity change? How will I change my performance? But before you can ever change activity, you've got to, you've got to change your identity. And if identity changes, then the way that you act, your behavior will start to change. It all starts with identity. So we want you to have a revelation of who God is. We want you to be at a place where your identity is transformed and you start to see that you are one that is delighted in and one that is loved. I was on vacation a few weeks ago with my family, and one of the things that we love to play at the pool is where my kids jump in. You know, they jump in and, and jump into my arms. And so my, my son, Justice, though, was a little bit timid. He's the littlest one. And so I'm standing there in the pool, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, jump, jump. And he's four years old, and he's doing this. I'm like, come on, buddy, you can do it. Just jump. And he's like, come on. And, and here's what's going on in his mind. If you don't catch me, I die. He can't swim. So he's got to have this, he's got this total dependence on, if you don't catch me, I'm in massive trouble. And so for me, it's just this cute game. Come on, come on, jump, come on, jump. And he's going, my whole life is on the line right here. You and I, oftentimes when it comes to stepping into a moment like this and taking the risk fixing our eyes on God, pushing everything out and declaring to a God that we cannot see that he is holy and he is faithful and he is good. It's kind of like, can I, can I jump? Can I trust you? If I give you my life, if I sing these songs about surrender and I hear these sermons and I respond to these messages about giving you my life, can I trust you completely? And undoubtedly for each one of you, it's kind of like that moment where you're kind of going, okay, this is, this is my whole life here. This is everything. I mean, this is all I've got. I mean, the four-year-old, this is it. This is all I've got. And if we could only get a revelation that dad is there in the pool going, you're my boy. There is no chance I'm going to let you drown. There's no chance. I mean, there's no chance that I'm going to look at my little boy who's the delight of my life. And when he jumps in, be like, ha, 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 good luck. No, what you and I know is that fathers deeply love their children and want to take care of them. And you and I can't even begin to fathom the infinite love of our father who wants to catch you. In fact, 
Your father wants to take whatever you're experiencing, whatever brokenness, whatever pain. And not only will he encourage you, he wants to heal you. He wants to make you whole. So you can leave desperation this year a different person. No, 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 that's just rhetoric. That's just ideas, David. No, 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 no. That's what John was saying a moment ago. In the place of encountering God, in the place of God speaking to you, in the place of worship and beholding him, in the place of literally just waiting on the Lord, maybe in ministry times, there'll be those moments, those instances where God does something so powerful and it's not the band and it's not this room and it's, it's just you and God and God does the work. And that's our prayer for you. Our prayer for you is that you have that kind of encounter with God over the next few days. And I don't know which session it'll be in. It might not even be in a session. It might be just you and God at 2 a.m. at Wendy's or something. But our prayer is that you would encounter God that way. I want to encourage you to think, to think. What does it mean that he likes me? What does it mean that he loves me? What does it mean that my whole identity can be changed? When I was growing up, we used to sing this song. If you, if you know it, I'd like you to sing it with me. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Come on, sing it like you're five years old. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Now, this one's louder. Oh, be careful, little ears. You got to touch your ears. Oh be, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Now, I don't know about you. It's a cute little song, is it? I mean, it's nice. It's this great song. And when I was growing up, I sang that song all the time. And, and I would hear that phrase, for the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. But even though those were the lyrics, that was not the message that was coming into my six-year-old brain. Here's what I was hearing. Oh, be careful, little David, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little David, what you hear. For the father up above is going to reach down and cut off those little ears if you hear something bad. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, for the father up above is going to gouge out your eyes if you see something bad. For the father up above, he's going to smash your little hands. He's going to gouge out your little eyes. He'll cut off your little ears. Oh, be careful, little David, what you do. And it was this... It was this fear of God, like, oh my, what's he like? What's he going to do? Oh no. And it was fear. No way. And so even though we're singing one thing, what's going on in my whole experience is a little bit different. It's the, it's, it's kind of the, the view of God that I came to the table with. It's kind of what I had. And that view of God, that view will cause me to kind of pull back and be distant from him. Right? Nobody's going to run to God if you think he's going to squash your little hands, gouge out your little eyes, and clip your little ears. Right? We're going to run from God. So this afternoon, I want you to lock in with, what is your image? And I'm not, I, I want you to really picture him. Not just kind of like, all right, David, let's go to the next point. I want you to imagine in your head, action item, 
You picture God right now when you have God in your head. When you have what God looks like to you, raise your hand. I mean, you got a picture of God in your head. Okay, so let's, we're, let's, we're going to wait for 100% participation. So we'll be here all day. All right, let's wait. I want you to picture, what does God look like? Maybe, maybe it's an image. Maybe it's a scripture that you see. Maybe it's a prayer moment. How do you picture God? Okay, you can put him down. That's the most important thing about your journey with God. How do you see him? Do you see him as a father that loves you and delights in you? Or do you see him as a little bit ticked off at you? A little bit angry, a little bit annoyed. I was a pretty incredible athlete as a child. Um, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I didn't even get to the point. Um, when I was in second grade, I played soccer and I was one of the uh, athletes that was so good and so, so excellent that they didn't put me in the game until we had a significant lead. And then at the conclusion, once we were up by five or six goals, they just put me in to seal the victory, right? I was one of those kind of athletes. And uh, I'll never forget my father coming to one of my games and, and uh, had the opportunity at the very end to play. Went in, we were up, we were winning. I went in, I was playing right forward. I'll never forget, I, I, I was standing on the side right over here. And you know how it is in second grade soccer. It's kind of like a clump of people just all together. And so kind of your great athlete was in the middle of the group. And then your superior athlete was on the side just watching. And so I was standing on the side just watching. And there was this moment where the coach's son went to kick a goal. And he went to, he, he went to kick it, went off the right side of his foot. And I'm standing right here. Comes right off the side of his foot, pulls the goalie this way, bounces off my knee, and ricochets in. And I scored my very first goal off my knee. Thank you. And afterwards, my dad, who was there, he's so proud, he's so excited. He said, David, I'm going to take you, let's go to McDonald's and we're going to celebrate. I said, oh, yeah. Now you understand, I grew up as a triplet, and when we went to McDonald's, my dad was a pastor, triplets, all we, do you know what a triplet is? A triplet is when three people are born at one time. It's like a litter. <laughs> and so my dad took us, and he would take us, and we would all go to McDonald's, and then we would all get waters and a hamburger. That's it, like the little one. Like back then, it was like 39 cents. Now it's like, I don't know, like $7 or something, but just... A hamburger and a water. And so my dad took me to McDonald's to celebrate. And he looked at me. He said, David, you can have whatever you want. I said, anything I want. I said, anything you want. I said, anything. He said, anything. I said, like even one of those pictures with a number on them. And he said, even one of the pictures. And I went, no. (laughs) And at that moment, I, I looked at my father and I said, no, dad. I can't receive such a great, great gift from you. You don't understand. And I broke down. The details of the game. See, Dad, I'm not really that great of an athlete. It really wasn't a, it really wasn't a great goal. It really it was, you know, Gilbert who kicked it, and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and that wasn't my response. I looked at him, and I was like, can I buy anything for my friends? How much can I get? Let's order up. I was like, can I get dessert? Why? Because inside of me, I was going, okay, I have this 
father that delights in me, loves me. And in moments like that, you and I, we often tend to picture God only delighting in us if our performance is superior. And we are accepted. We start to think, we, are, we perceive we're accepted if our performance is rock star. But my father looks at me and he's gone. He knows. He knows exactly who I am. He knows exactly how good of an athlete I am or I'm not. And he looks down at me and he's not saying, hey, this is all about your performance at the core, at the core. It's not that he's so much wanting to celebrate the performance. He's wanting to celebrate me. And so he's looking at me and he's going at the core. This isn't about your performance. This is about your position. You're my boy. You're my son. I'm looking for an opportunity to celebrate you because I like you. It's not that I'm hyper fascinated with second grade goals at a random game in a little town in Idaho, right? No, he's going, I'm here because I like you. I'm at the game because I like you. I'm celebrating because I like you. And our tendency, yours and mine, is to come before God and think, you're only going to like me based upon my performance, based upon how well I do. But the uniqueness of what we have with the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, what Jesus did for us, and Jesus taking the place for you and me, Jesus living perfectly, dying on the cross, raising from the dead, sending into heaven, and Preparing a way, being the way for you and I to enter into life with God forever is that you and I get the privilege and the opportunity because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross to stand in a new position in Christ. We get to stand as a position as sons and daughters and and the enemy over and over again will come to you and say, listen, get your performance right. It's all about your performance. And if you don't perform well enough, you're out. And the father looks at us, he says, no, I like you. You've responded, you've said yes to Jesus Christ. This is about you being my son. This is about you being my daughter. And when that identity changes, when it's about a transformed identity, then we start to perform, not in order to be pleasing, but because we know, in order to be accepted, but because we know that we're all, we are already accepted. And so we'll go, all right. I perform because I'm accepted. I don't perform to be accepted. I'm already accepted, redeemed. I already stand in the position as your son, your daughter. You like me. You delight in me. You love me. And when that's deep in our heart, when that's our motivation, everything changes. I want to read out of Luke chapter 15, if, you're, if you've got your Bibles there. We see that in this story with Jesus telling the story about this father, this good father and the son and prodigal son. And many of you know the story. Son that says to his father, give me my inheritance. And he chooses to go live on his own, to go live away from the father's house. He chooses to run away. While he's away, he decides to live squanderous living. Here it is, Luke 15, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to his, field, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. I will say to him, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I want you to see verse 20, number one, where it says this. Your father, right there, the father runs to him. In the same way that the father runs to him, your father will run to you too. Right there, there's a father that's looking, waiting for this son who's messed up, living in rebellion, has a change of heart, comes back, and the father is waiting. And I love this idea right there five times, five different verbs. It says, the father had compassion on him. He saw him. He ran to his son. He hugged him. And he kissed him. What's your picture of God? What do you see? For some of you to even imagine that kind of expression, a father that's running to you today, that has compassion on you this afternoon, a father that wants to embrace you even in this session, even today, right now. Some of you, some of you that that feels like, wow, that's hard to imagine. Some of you, it's just something that you've heard about, you've believed, but it's not, it's not revelation. It's not something that's alive on the, in, on the inside in your heart. It's just something that preachers talk about in songs we sing. But if you can fathom the broken moment where this kid comes, and is he accepted because of how well he's performed? No. He's performed very poorly. He's gone out, squandered what his father gave him. He's not a success story. He's not accepted in the moment because of how well he's performed. He's accepted because he is father's son. You and I, we often run from God, messed up lived in whatever sin, whatever relationship, whatever addiction, said, surely it's somebody else's testimony, but it can't be mine. I've gone too far, done too much. I'm too messed up. And yet this father lifts the face of this young man and says, throw him a party. I'm running to you. I'm chasing after you. I'm coming after you. I like you. Is that message too good to be true? Is that message, that reality of a father that's like that? Because when we look at Jesus, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see the same thing. 
we see Jesus running after the broken, not running from the broken. We see Jesus in blind Bartimaeus, where the other people say, be quiet, blind man. Jesus says, no, you be quiet. Call Bartimaeus. And Jesus goes to the blind man. We see Jesus when there's stones in the gospel of John. They're wanting to throw rocks at the adulterous woman. And Jesus says, you who is without sin, throw the first stone. No, I, 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 I want to lock eyes and forgive this broken woman. We see Jesus running to the place of Jairus' house. Now, I want to I see this girl come back to life. Not too busy for the blind. Not too busy for the dead. I don't care where you're at. I don't care how broken. I don't care what your story is. Look at the life of Jesus and you find Jesus finding specific examples. The lepers... Even the hungry. And he says, I'm coming after you. And there's no story that Jesus looks at them and goes, oh, well, I'll heal. I'll help the blind man. But the leper, running away from them. Even the most difficult situation, Jesus didn't run from it. He ran to it. I'm here for you. I'm running to you. I want to come, forgive you, be close to you. Help you become whole in your circumstance. What's your 16-year-old story? What's your 12-year-old story? What's your 19-year-old story? Where you've gotten in your brain, I'm too messed up. (sighs) Might work for the church kids, but not for me. When we look at Jesus, we see the same heart as what we find in the parable about the father. He's filled with compassion and he's running to you. And today, in your circumstance, in your story, he wants to run to you and he wants to throw you a party. No, 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 that's too much. No, 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 it's not too much. No, 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 David, no way, no way. No, 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 he really does. No, 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 yeah. Your father wants to look at you And wants to celebrate you. This prodigal comes back and he says, just make me like a hired hand. And in his shame, he goes, certainly I'm not, I'm not able to live in the father's house. I'm too messed up. I'll, I'll, I'll settle for being second rate son. I'll second rate in the father's house. Just make me like a hired hand. How does the father respond to him? He says, I don't accept you based upon what you can do for me. I accept you because of who you are to me. I don't accept you because of what I can gain from you. I'm your dad. I like you. I accept you because of relationship, not some kind of business contract. You and I, we think so often, I'm gonna, uh, God will accept me if I, can, if, I can, if I can bring up my end of the bargain. If I can, if I can carry out my end of the deal. And your father's looking at you saying, you can't. No, this isn't about you. This isn't about all that you've done for me. I mean, look at the father, looking at the boy. The boy has squandered everything. He's going, no, no, no. This, this is not about you. This is not about just the fact that you came running to me. I'm running to you. 
Uh, this, this, this whole story, this whole parable, this isn't about the excellencies of the lost prodigal son. It's about the excellencies of a father who just keeps loving. That's how he sees you. That's how he delights. And, and, and we want to say, no, no, no. But I've got this mentality that if I'm going to say yes to this and I'm going to bring something to the table. And he goes, it's not about what you bring to the table. Well, well, well I, I can do stuff. He goes, thank you. I'm glad that you could do stuff. But your acceptance is not based upon that you could do stuff for me. Your acceptance is based upon my loving kindness towards you. If you've said yes to Jesus, he goes, okay, try to bring, bring what you can to the table. It's fine. But this is not a contract that's broken when you don't hold up your end of the bargain. Your, with the way that you see God will affect the way that you keep coming after God. He looks at you and you can't pay him back. You can't. He's too great. He's done too much. His love is too big. What Jesus did on the cross for you is too, too amazing for you to comprehend. And so you, you, you can't pay him back. You can't bring up, I mean, I mean, with all that we've got, we want to obey but it's never equal. It's always his grace, his compassion, his love that far surpasses what you bring to the table. Because he's that good. I mean, imagine. Imagine how crazy it would be for someone, a kid, to look and say, to adopted. All right, you adopted me, Father. You adopted me. Now, I want to pay you back. You can't. It's, I mean, you just can't. What the kindness of a father does, it's too much. I love, Renata and I are close friends with Jared and Megan Anderson. And they're in this journey right now where they're adopting two kids from Haiti, John Diego and Christine. If you've got a picture of them, I want to show it. And if you, if you can imagine this, Jared, who's a worship leader here, he's been a, a part of desperation every year. And he's adopting these two kids from Haiti. And if you can imagine, he's got four kids of his own and, and Jared's looking at these kids and he's looking at these kids and he's saying, okay, you don't have a family, but I want to invite you in and to be a part of a family. And you don't have a house, but I want to invite you to have a house. And you don't have a house that has a tire swing in it, but I do. You, you don't have a car, but, but I've got a car. I've got a big car, enough for six kids and, 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 and you, you I, I, I want to take your situation and I just want to give you, I, I, I want you to experience the love that I've got. Now, this is John Diego right here. Can you imagine John Diego saying, okay, Jared, thank you so much. Now, I want to be accepted in your house. So I'm going to pay you back for the house. I'm going to pay you back for the car. I'm going to pay you back for all the flights to Haiti. I'm going to pay you back. No, what goes on in the heart of Jared, the father of the boy that he's adopted, he's just going, I don't want you to pay me back. I want you to be my son. I want you to live in my house. I want you to eat at my table. I want you to ride in my, in my, my big long van and I want you to ride to swing on my tire swing. I want you to be my boy. I want you to receive with gladness. And if you'll receive with gladness, it's the win. You can't pay me back. And I hang out with young people all the time and their eyes are so much on them. It's about what I can do. And the answer is not what you can do. It's about what he's already done. 
He's created the way for you to be in right standing with him. The good father sends the willing son and the willing son voluntarily lays down his life so that those who are far from God can be brought close to God. And now it's our opportunity to say, yes. It's our opportunity to say, I choose you like a child. Adopt me. I'm in. I live in your house. You've got a lot for me. You'll forgive me of my sin. You'll make me whole. You'll give me a purpose. You'll let me give my life away for other people so that I can live for others rather than living for self, which is the only way to really find true joy. The only way to really have true life. You go, okay, that's the life that's worth living. And like little children, we come before him. And we are so daily overwhelmed with his loving kindness toward us that we just keep coming back and asking for more. And he's not the father that goes, oh, I'm so sick of you asking for more. He's the father that goes, I love it when you ask. I love to give good gifts. You're living in my house. But it's that thing inside of us that always wants to bargain that goes, oh, well, I kind of want this to be a little bit about me. And I want to live up. The best thing that you can do is just receive. All right. New identity. I'm a son. And kids don't have a problem asking for things. When you really see yourself as a son and he is or a daughter and he is infinitely more. He's infinitely great. He has infinite to give. He wants to transform your life. He wants to give you all the things we keep praying for. We want to come like kids and just keep asking. Kids don't mind asking. My son Dawson, his birthday a couple years ago. I got this picture. I got this list from him. Dad, my birthday's coming up. Here's what I'd like. Mario Kart Wii. The game. Legos. New Super Mario Wii. Madagascar 2. The movie. Madden 13. I'd like a purple and green lightsaber. I'd like Star Wars Legos in addition to the other Legos. I'd like tons of books. I'd like some new pajamas. I'd like a water bottle. I'd like our family to go to Disneyland. I'd like a Tim Tebow jersey. I'd like an NFL football. I'd like an Oklahoma Sooners jersey. I'd like an Eddie Royal jersey from San Diego Chargers. I'd like a jersey, likes jerseys. I'd like a jersey that says Perkins on the back. I'd like football Legos. It's a long list. There's nothing inside of him that thinks, oh, I'm scared to ask. Well, until now, until he's in a sermon. Why? Why? Because he goes, I know, I know, I know my dad certainly can't afford all that, but I know that it's in my dad's heart to give me good things. And I'm not coming before dad trying to earn it. He wants to give me stuff because I'm his son. It's this position that I have. It's not about the performance. It's not about earning it. And everything in us wants to go, no, 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 David. No, no, it's about earning it. Come on. I hope he turns us around and talks about human responsibility. Hope he starts talking about how we got to go do good stuff. Of course we do. 
Of course we obey. Why do we obey? Because he loves us and we want to obey. Why do we serve? Because he loves us and we want to serve. But it's, I'm talking about how to get to that point. Do we serve and obey to be accepted? No, we've been accepted and we're so filled and overflowing with love and gratitude that we go, of course, I want to be holy. Of course, I want to serve. Of course, I want to be like Jesus. But over and over and over again, I'm just amazed how much we think it's this ongoing contract. If I don't hold up my end, I'm going to be kicked out. He's going to be ticked. He's going to be angry. He's going to boot me. He's going to be mad. He's going to squash me. He's going to cut off my ear. I'm telling you, the young men and women that walk for decades in the relationship with God are the ones that have this overwhelming conviction. He likes me. He loves me. He wants to give me a trip to Disneyland. Your father will hold you. I love that. I just love this moment where he just holds this boy. He just holds his son. The boy's father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like a hired hand. And you see the father's response. Shut up. He doesn't even, it's like he doesn't even hear it. It's like Teflon. It just, he doesn't even just, it's like. And he doesn't say, yeah, that's right. Why don't you sleep with the pig? Go. No. He just, he just ignores that whole little thing that's coming out of him. That whole mantra, that whole like, I'm not worthy. And he goes. Bring the best robe, put it on my son. Put some shoes on his feet. My son was lost. Now he's found. He's dead. Now he's alive. Come on. Come on, we have to celebrate. For the son of mine is back. That's the heart. Come here, son. Hugs him. And he kisses him. I don't care how mature you are in Christ. I don't care how macho you think you are. The greatest thing that will transform your life is perpetual, consistent encounters where God speaks over you. I love you. Where he holds you. Where he hugs you. He says, I delight in you. It's moments in worship where you're singing the song and then just out of nowhere, it's just... The way Romans 5 says it's the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts. There's just this moment you just go, oh, he likes me. It's when you're alone with God. You're sitting alone with God and you're reading through the scriptures and you're praying back the scriptures and all of a sudden you just, I love you. It's when you're driving in your car. It's when it, and these, these moments where it's just real, it's personal. And he goes, I love you. I want to hold you. And all the striving all the, I'll do this. I know I, I, I got I to gotta be this. I got to do that. I got to perform this way in order to be accepted. He goes, no, 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 no. You are loved. The moment that he said to his son, he looks at his boy and he says, I love you. Matthew three seventeen, where he goes, this is my son whom I love. And he expresses it. He loves his son, Jesus. And Jesus knows it. And Jesus is always talking about his father's love. Have you noticed that? Jesus, John 14, 15, he's always talking about how much the father loves him. 
And then he prays it even in John 17. He's like, well, Father, here's what I want. I want them to know that you love them the way you love me. Why? Because Jesus had this revelation. He likes me. My father loves me. You will have a successful Christian journey when you are repetitious in this statement because it's overflowing from you all the time. He loves me. He likes me. Oh, he's good. Oh, he's faithful. He loves me. And you could tell, you could tell. Sometimes you're around people. It's like, are, 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 you, are you a Christian? Are you a Christ follower? It's like, oh yeah, of course I am. That's a person that's kind of like, well, I'm trying to hold up my end. Here's the one who's, who's encountered God. Are you a Christ follower? Yeah, he's good. It's amazing. He likes even me. Oh, that's a person who's been set free. That's a person who realizes the level of, his, of their father's love for them. We want it to be an ongoing encounter over and over and over again. Oh, he loves me. Oh, he delights in me. Oh, he enjoys me. He's a father that loves me. I want you to picture him. And I know when you picture this and you say, David, you've lowered the bar too much. I mean, you're you're making God to just sound it to be just like this father that just perpetually loves us and likes us. I know. I mean, I know, I know Moses has the moment. You're standing on holy ground. Take off your feet. Take off your feet. Take off your shoes. That's a real miracle. Take off your, take your shoes off your feet. Or Isaiah, he sees the holy God. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Right? Job 36. God says, embrace yourself like a man. Here it comes. Where were you? And that mentality of God. And we go, oh no, hope you add some of that. He is all that. He is holy. He is good. He's unthinkable. I mean, he lives forever in perfection. We want to live with the fear of the Lord in our hearts. But I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine the most perfect, holy God that looks at broken, weakened people and says, yeah, but you're my son. And even though I'm holy and even though I'm this good, and I, I want to invite you into my presence. I'm your dad. I'm your father. Romans 8 says, we just call him Abba. It's like, he's our father. It's just, he's our, he's dad. He's our, he's, he's father. If you were to picture yourself, hang out with someone who's really important, right? Like your youth pastor. Yeah. All right. Who's important. I don't know. You know, someone you're hanging out at their house. It'd be crazy for you. Someone, you're in someone important. You're, let's say the president, right? You're at the president. You're at the white house. You wake up at three in the morning and you're thirsty. So you're like, I'm so thirsty. I'm at the White House. I'm going to go wake up Barack and have him get me some water. No, you go, whoa, that sounds crazy. Because it's too important. You don't wake up Barack at 3 a.m. So get your, get your own water. But if you're a three-year-old and Barack's your dad, then you go wake up Barack because you're not saying Mr. President, you're saying dad. Let me tell you this. Multiply that times a million. He's very important. Your father is the creator. He's the king. He reigns. But that father, 
father that rules and reigns. He's your father. It's not just father kind of theoretically. It's your dad. It's the one that you cry, Abba. It's the one that you say, okay, father, just hold me. Some of you, you just need the father to hold you. Start off this whole conference. I just want to be with God for a minute. I just want the father to tell me that he loves me. I just need to hear the voice of my father. I want to close with this. I'll invite John and the guys to come up. Jesus in Luke 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And just as John, just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. We can just stop right there. Wait. He just says, when you pray, say, Father. Jesus teaching disciples. Here's how you pray. Here's how you come to God. Here's the image I want you to see. Here's the way I want you to view him. Not ticked off and want to crush you. Father. Father. Jesus embodies this. We see this over and over again. Jesus with this kind of compassion. This kind of love for the broken and the weak and the hurting. We read Mark 10. Mark 10, 13. I'll really close this time. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Worldview. What does Jesus look like? What's the father look like? If I got a viewpoint that Jesus is too busy, he's too big of a deal, then I'm going to say, get back. You're bothering him. And you're going to think about yourself. I don't want to bother him. He's the creator. People are always praying. The world's all messed up. And your viewpoint, I don't want to bother. <laughs> That's going to say, rhyme. Sorry about this rhyme. I didn't mean this. I don't want to bother the father, right? I don't want to bother him. That's the way they're responding right here. Disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. So picture this. We've got a real story where Jesus says, stop saying they're going to bother. They're not bothering me. Let me take these little ones. And in our culture, we kind of have like the politicians, you know, kind of kiss the baby kind of thing. And it's kind of, that's not, didn't exist in this culture. In this culture, the children would be pushed to the side, kind of like the sick or the weak or the widows. The children were just kind of like extra, we're bringing them along, but they're certainly not important enough to be right in the center of what's going on. But Jesus takes the children, the little ones. He goes against what everybody else thinks. I'm not too busy you're not too small and he holds them the biblical picture is clear we have a father loves us delights in us we have a savior that even as he picked up children wants to pick you up 
He wants to hold you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to comfort you as you walk through the pain of what's going on in your family. He wants to bring life, your situation, all your hurt, all your anger, all your bitterness. He wants to heal your heart. As you look at all your shame, all the ways that you feel like I'm not accepted, I'm not good enough, my sin is too great. He wants to look at you, hold you. He says, run to me, I'll run to you. Run home. Just like Jesus held kids in his arms. Just like the father got down. And all of us come with all our excuses. No, no, I'm too messed up. I've sinned too much. My family's too messed up. I'm too angry at you. I've done all that. He goes, no, shut up. Look at me. What do you see in my face? You see a father that loves you. You see a father that's not saying, come on, hold up your end of the contract. No, you have a father that says, you are not accepted based upon this performance. You're my boy. You're my daughter. And I love you. And when you get that kind of love inside of you, everything changes and everything gets reversed. And you start saying, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. I want to obey. I want to be holy. I want to pursue God. I want to live the right kind of righteousness of life. This afternoon, I want us to get our perspective right. I want you to just let God hold you. I want to invite you to stand with me. And... Take a few moments. And I just I just want us just to begin this conference with just all of us in the room just responding to God. I just want to invite you just to hold out your hands like this. Hold out your hands just like that. And now will you just Look to the Lord right now and just close your eyes and just say, God, speak your affection. Tell me how much you love me. Will you hold me? Spirit, I pray that you would pour out the love of God into our hearts right now. I pray that we would have an identity change. I pray for revelation, God. May this be more than information. May this be revelation. May this go deep. May it penetrate our hearts, God. Oh, we want to be yours, God. We want to live in the reality. 
much you love us. Just all across the room, everyone here, just lock in with God for a moment. Come, Lord. I just want to start, I want to invite you to be bold. If there's anyone in the room, you've been running from God. This afternoon, you want to run to God. You want to see a God that loves you and delights in you. And I would just say, God, I've been a prodigal. I've been out living my own way, but I want to come and I want to be in your house. I want to feast at your table. I want to, I want an identity change. I want to surrender my life to God. I want to live at your house. I want to be with you. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to be far from God. I want to be close to God. I don't want my way. I want your way. That's you tonight. I just want you to come. I want you to just come forward right here, right now. I know it's going to take courage and there's thousands of people in the room. But let's just make a, a stamp, a mark where we go, this is who I am. I'm, 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 I'm leaving this lifestyle. Today's a day of transformation. I'm going after God. I'm giving him everything. Just run to the front. That's you. Come quickly. Good. Keep coming all the way. Come on, let's give it up for him again. Wow, they just keep coming. Let's give it up for them. They just keep coming. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I mean, let's just celebrate. This is amazing. Let's just give it up. I mean, I'm just, God, you're faithful. You're good. Guys down here, would you just put your hand on your heart? Just like this. Just repeat this prayer after me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I've been doing my own thing. I've been living for myself. Thank you for loving me. Today I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my sin. Change me. Transform me. Do a new work in my life. I want to live with you forever. I want to live in your house. 
forever. I want to be close to you. I give you my life. Be the Lord of my life forever. I say yes to Jesus Christ. I will follow him all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. encourage you, those of you guys that are down here, I want to encourage you to talk to your youth pastor. Tell them what you did. Tell them your mom or your dad. Tell someone today about this choice, this decision that you're making. It's the best decision that you've ever made. Let's give it up for these guys one more time. I want to invite you guys just to stay right where you're at. I want to invite you to stay right there. There are more of you in this room that you've already said yes to Jesus, but you've been performing. You've, you've been living kind of like if we keep reading the prodigal son story, if we keep reading the, this, older, this older son walks out and he goes, Father, all these days I've slaved for you and you've never even given me so much as a goat so that I could have a party with my friends. And you hear right there, He's the one who's got the hired hand mentality. He's the one that hasn't realized how much his father loves him. He looks at his son and he goes, son, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. You never asked for a goat. You could have had a giraffe or a kangaroo, whatever you want. All that I've got is yours. And this whole time he's living in the father's house, but he doesn't know who his father really is. He doesn't even see how much his father really loves even him because he's got this bargaining chip, this I'm going to perform to be accepted. Some of you, you've been living in the father's house that way. So your relationship with God, it's not vital and real. It's distant. You've got a false view of God. You've got a contract instead of living like a son or a daughter. Today, I want to pray for you that that God would rip that worldview off your eyes and that you would step in as a son or as a daughter and see that he's the father that runs to you, hugs you, kisses you, has compassion on you. If you've been living in the father's house, but you've been living with a business contract as opposed to living as a son or a daughter that's delighted in, I want to pray for you. Will you just join these guys up front? Will you come down right now? If that's you, come down to the front right now. And I just want us to pray together. You're going to have to crunch all the way in. Go ahead and scoot on in. That's good. Let's keep making some space over here. Amen. Amen. Amen, yeah. Amen. I want you to know, those of you that are coming forward for this second altar call, (laughs) probably four or five before it's over. I struggle with. This is how I, 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 get, I get in this mode. This is fun for me to preach on because this is where I so often tend to slip into. 
tend to slip into this, God, I, I, I want to do stuff. I want to be, be accepted. If I, if I do stuff, then you'll like me more. I have to keep coming back to this reality. If he loves me infinitely, like he loves his son, he can't possibly love me anymore. So every single one of you, the more that this grows in our hearts, oh, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, then it reciprocates in us. Oh, and I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and I want to be obedient, and I want to be holy, and I want to serve the poor, and I want to reach the nations, and I want to give, and I want to sacrifice, and I want to work diligently, I want to walk in integrity, and all those things. But it starts with just, you love me, I'm going to love you back. You like me, I don't have to perform. This isn't about me trying to step in the place of being accepted. I'm already accepted. Those of you that came forward, I just want to invite you, just stretch out your hands, just like we've been doing. Just stretch out your hands. Holy Spirit, would you pour out the love of God into our hearts here in session one on this Wednesday afternoon? Would you transform identity today? And the young men and the young women, Lord, that voluntarily came forward even just now and said, I want this. I want to live differently. I want to see God rightly. I don't want to see a God that wants to crush me. I want to see a God that delights in me. I pray for right perspective. Come. Speak your love over us tonight. Touch our hearts today. in this ministry moment. John's just written this song and the song is about how our, our identity has been changed. How we are his. And when we're his, when we know that we're loved, we live differently. We sang it earlier. I want to sing it again. Can we sing that? Is that the one? Is that okay? I want to, I want to sing this again. I want, I want you to lock in with this. This is a brand new song. I want, I, want, I want us this to be like something that we're declaring as truth and not something that's just kind of like kind of humming the words. And just, but get, look at the words. Get this and let this be your story. Let this be your testimony. Not just kind of a song that we're singing at a church. Let this be your story. I'm different. I am yours. I'm yours, God. I belong to you. You love me. You delight in me. All right, so let's raise our hands high. Let's raise them up with all that we've got. Let's sing this song. Let's declare to God, we are his. We are yours, God. All right, keep them high. And I know some of you are uncomfortable with that. You don't have to, but if you want to, it's a way of just saying, it's just a statement of surrender. God, I'm yours. I don't belong to this world. I don't belong to my own ambition. I don't belong to a false view of who you are. I'm not going to be 
in chains to a false view of God so that I live far from God. No, I want to live close to God. I want to live in clear understanding, a right relationship. I want to be close to God.